Oh, this is the intro. That's just just welcome back to the podcast. Blah blah blah. There you go. There you go. That's it. Thank you very much, James. That is James, our own wolf in lamb's clothing. I am Chris, also known as Just Jofty. Today with me, I have my co-host, Slice Beer, and Michael Walsh. How are you all doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Chilling. Billing. I don't know what billing is. Maybe. What, what is billing? I mean, that sounds really bad. It means like you're probably like using loads and loads of money, which I mean, that's not good. Question for you. I like going into tangents. You know me, everyone who listens. What's been the craziest thing you've bought during lockdown? If I say what I'm going to say, then you're probably going to get pissed off because I'm going to say what you're going to say. Probably James is probably going to say the same thing as well. Well, no, because I'm going to say a voice activated light bulb. Duff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you... I did see that. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't change color, so it's obsolete. Yeah, but the color change one was 40 quid, right? The the, 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 the white one was only a fiver. So what are you how, how is that justifiable when you spend 200 pounds on an art piece for The Last of Us? And you don't it was 100 pounds, thank you very much. <laughs> very, very justifiable because it's very a nice piece that is quite rare. But he doesn't want to dish out an extra tenner for a colorful changing light bulb. It wasn't a tenner, it's an extra 30 something quid. So then, you know. We're living in a world where voice activated light bulbs exist. I'm just getting this. Exactly. See? James is yeah. like, oh my God. This is what happens when I leave my artist dungeon and I appear <laughs> into the real world and I'm like, oh, look, it's our voice activated light bulb. For anyone who's confused at the moment, James is our special guest and you're probably wondering why is there a special guest on the show today? We just decided to have him on board. He's our art director. He's been doing all the logos and banner for our podcast. Uh, you don't really hear from him because he's not a regular podcaster. In the shadows. So we thought we'd bring him on today and uh, just... Before we get into this episode and where it is totally unscripted, we don't know what we're going to be talking about. Uh, James, just introduce yourself and then we're just going to go off. Yeah. All right. Well, as, as Ryan said, I'm, I'm James. I'm, I do the, uh, the drawing. They gave me a nice title, but I think it's Drawing Bitch. I just get told what to draw, when to draw, draw, draw it fast, draw it now. Why have you not drawn it? And, and that's yeah, yeah. what I do for these guys. Yeah. I'm like, James, why is it missing this? And you're like, oh my God, please stop. <laughs> his artwork he like he made somehow managed to make the drawn me look better than the real life me which was just like wow i wish i was that drawing instead of what i look like in the mirror every day oh i can tell you right now i bought it yesterday oh i know what it is he said but i'm gonna let him reveal it to the podcast yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it was gonna be the uh, last of his ps ps pro but now it just got usurped by my brand new uh, iPad Pro for doing the artwork for Untold Culture. Ooh. Hey, investment. Yeah, we're going up in the world. We are going up in the world. But if you want to talk about stupid Last of Us purchase, you're looking at the guy who spent over 1200 on Last of Us stuff coming on the 19th. So. Yeah, it's going to be a, a fun day for you. It's going to be like Christmas. I'm going to have to get like special Christmas hats made that say a Last of Us Christmas. And yeah. be like, oh, good morning, young Chris. What is for Christmas today? You would get over 100,000 views if you burn everything and you just start <laughs> putting the Last of Us music behind it. Why would I burn everything? <laughs> All, a lot of money. I had to rip up a £100 piece of Last of Us artwork. That was heartbreaking. I have a video of that. Why'd you have to rip it up? Because it came faulty, didn't it? Wait, are they giving you a new one? They've already sent me the new one. So then why'd you oh. rip up the old one? Because you have to rip it. Because, so, because they're like a legitimate art company and like really arty-arty, you, as James will probably know this, that you, you, can't, you can't have duplicates of the same artwork. So you have to show them that you've ripped the, the other one that was, had a mistake on it and so they can send you the new one. So it's, 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 a, 
it's, it's basically because otherwise I'd have two hundred pound artworks, the same number floating around. You see, so I have to just destroy the one that had the, the imperfection. And then they're like, "Here is the new one." And I'm like, "This is the most heartbreaking thing." Like this hundred pound piece of artwork, cutting it with scissors to the Last of Us music. Going, <laughs> I wonder how many they'd let you destroy. I mean, they didn't have to destroy many. You had to destroy one, and they sent me the new one. All it was doing, it was just missing, and it really annoyed me. It has, like, um, you know paper branding, James, because you're an artist. You know when you, like, you brand paper like yeah. a cow? Well, I yeah. mean, like, it had has the, the naughty dog paw print branded into the artwork. Oh, that's cool. But, but, but that didn't happen with my first one. They forgot to add it to my first one. I was like, excuse me, I know it's supposed to have this. So they were like, oh, sorry, yeah, that's our bad. So they uh, they sent me one with the Naughty Dog ball print branded in. So that was good. But we have our first guest on the podcast. We're on episode... And it's the best guest. Four. I mean, talented artist or what? Like some well, of well, his, his, his... His Kratos artwork, wow. His Spider-Man, um, wow. His picture of me, wow. <laughs> yeah, you guys can help decide what I'm going to draw next. Uh, I'm thinking Last of Us. How's that Promise saying? me, if you do a piece, if you do a, a piece of Last of Us artwork... There's Joel and Ellie from Last of Us Part 2, and it looks as good as your other artworks. You will send me a print, and I'll put it on my wall of Last of Us things. It will forever be immortalized on my section. Sure. Well, I'll have to wait after the game comes out, because I'm yet to watch the trailer. Oh, oh my God! What he's, are you guys he's doing? doing? A, he's doing a Rayhan. He's doing a Lights of Beer right <laughs> he's, now. He's, he's doing like, a Rayhan. <laughs> so, so stereotypical. <laughs> I mean, No, I mean, <laughs> no. What do you mean? It's not, it's not like he's doing a community. He's, he's doing a Rayhan. Doing a Rayhan. Uh, but then Mike, the thing is though, right? If he's if he's doing a Rayhan, right, he'll have to marinate chicken at one AM and then get really excited yeah. about a box. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I'm up for that. I'm I'm not what, marinating chicken at two AM. <laughs> I mean he is called Wolf in Lamb's clothing, so James James, 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 what what are you what are you interested in for our viewers, listeners out there? What are what are you what are you what are you what are you, what, are you, what type of person are you? What do you do? What are you interested in? Oh my god! I, since the lockdown, what what is there to do? I wake up and I eat and maybe have a cry, go for a run, come back, paint a drawing, do a video game, and then sleep, and then it's the next day. That's just just the have... No, it's not. No. I'm working my ass off on series and <laughs> just, stuff. Just you don't go for a run. Come Eating on, Domino's. Come on. <laughs> Domino's no. every weekend, bro. I mean, yeah. to be honest, I had a Chinese takeaway today. I haven't had a Chinese takeaway in like four months because because they've all been closed by me. So walking in there and just going, I oh, was sweet and sour chicken balls of egg fried rice and then getting it and then coming home and eating all 10 chicken balls to myself with egg fried rice and sweet and sour sauce. It was like, Jeez. you know, that you know, Phil Collins song in the air tonight. It was yeah. that. It was just that. <laughs> it was like, the best. So I have a question in your lockdown. What's everyone been? I don't know if you guys have talked about this already. What have, you, what have you all been playing? We talk about this all the time. We, talk, we begin our, all of our episodes. That means you haven't been listening to our podcast. Our own artist doesn't listen to us. Oh no, Jesus! Yeah, this week I've been playing uh, obviously God of War, um, replaying. Should I say replaying the Uncharted series as well? Just on uh, finishing number four as well. Uh, well recently, yeah. finishing number four. Uncharted 4, yeah. I mean, I've played it before, but I'm... I'm oh, oh you've dropped me. I thought you meant you just only just finishing it. I was like, oh, yeah. You're no, it. no. You I, may continue. Yeah, I've completed it once before. But um, apart from that, I just completed Days Gone. Um, oh, was, oh, 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 stop. Yeah. I'm still playing Days Gone. Don't no worry, no spoilers. Any spoilers, I kill you. No, I wouldn't be dropping spoilers on a 
on anyway. But um, good because I have all the Last of Us Part Two spoilers to hand. Wow, I will tell you one thing about Days Gone, which surprised me. Um, I completed the game, and this is nothing to do with the story, but uh. I was just sort of lighting around on the main menu and I noticed something called challenges. I, I thought I'd take a look. And one of the challenges is pretty much a, a zombie rendition of Crazy Taxi. That is amazing. <laughs> Crazy Taxi is the best. Yep. You just get, you're in, you're in a dune buggy or a golf cart and you pick up um, people and you just take them around the map and you're just running over zombies, uh, freakers, sorry, uh, to some like cool country music. And it, Weird, weird, but fun, oddly enough. And it's just like, just stuck in there. But um, that was a nice surprise to find. I just play that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so if you guys remember in the like, Crazy Taxi, the opening is, hey, hey, welcome to Crazy Taxi. If it's a zombie version, it'll be, blah, 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 blah. I, prefer, I prefer Road Rage, The Simpsons Road Rage. That was my shit. Oh, yeah. So hit and run is the shit, not Road Rage. Oh, yeah, hit and run. But hit and run was, the Crazy Taxi's Road Rage was, was, was there was a lot of similarities in that and and it was just felt so because when you play it for the first time as a kid it was like oh this is the first simpsons game well back then and it had that sort of cool feeling of being inside that world but then when hit and run came out it was like holy shit this is the best game ever this is the best gta version of simpsons i could ever play and i wish it could be remastered because that is the only well other than re other than dead space the simpsons hit and run i would i would i would pay for whatever fucking edition so many people so so many people saying that that's like the top three games, or maybe even the top game that needs to be remastered is Simpsons. Hit 100%. Run. I reckon we're going to see the PlayStation 5 reveal and PlayStation 5 exclusive Simpsons Hit and Run remastered. I would, I would, I would shit my pants, piss my pants, vomit. That fly. shit will blow up so much, man, if they bring out a remaster of that game. I know, Ray, you hate all these remasters that companies are always doing, but that's, that's the thing, though. They need to remaster games like that. Keep Need, that's what we keep need to kind of trying to pump out. Preach, on. Mikey, preach. We need to keep pumping out and let everyone know these are the games that you need to be remastering, not games that already have a remaster, bro. I mean, have you guys seen Mafia Two remastered? <laughs> what, what, what are they? What is the community branding it as? Mafia Two, barely. No, they call it Mafia Two Demastered because the PC that's, on Mac settings is better. Huh. Barely, barely definitive edition. <laughs> what is the what is the uh, what's it called? What are people saying about about the remaster? It just looks like a PS3 Xbox 360 port, just 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 basically rendered over into the onto a PS4 disc or Xbox One disc. Damn. There's literally nothing different about it. Um, and they probably like pumped it out like, yeah, we're getting remasters, and it's not even like that good. Which to me is, is quite, I'm quite upset because now, now I have less hope for this Mafia remake, which I know Just Josh is probably opposite. I mean, the Mafia remake looks beautiful. Like, you can't deny that. We saw a concept um, art, but we never saw any gameplay. So, no, I've, I've seen there's this con, there's um, there's gameplay screenshots on um, yeah, but it, 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 it doesn't look like gameplay, right? It, it looks a lot more like someone's just drawn out. I it. think it's oh. gonna look like that. I do, to be fair. I think it sounds like they've put all their time and effort, excuse me, you want him, all their time and effort into the, the, the Mafia one remake, which nobody asked for because everyone's like, we love Mafia two, <laughs> Mafia two is the best. They should have gone, well, we're just gonna go release Mafia one like Mafia two and then work on Mafia two from the ground up, but whatever. Um, however, they're doing Mafia one from the ground up. Uh, I, I think it's I'm gonna be pleasantly surprised, to be honest. And speaking of being pleasantly surprised, going into my little next thing is that I've been playing one of the most impressive Switch ports I've ever experienced, which is Bioshock Infinite on Switch. At least it doesn't look anything like the Outer Worlds on the Switch, so 
that's that. How, how bad does that look? I've not seen that oh, yet. It looks, it, it looks like... It looks like you're playing one of them old PC games from Flash Player onto the Switch. Everything, like, further away from you looks muddy. The planets look like they're shrinking. Uh, it just doesn't look like a good Switch port. And I, I just think it's just because of the Switch's capability. It just can't handle... Bioshock is an old game. Uh, the Outer Worlds came out last year, so... Or this year. And there was this, there was this conversation that um, I was reading on the community, and is it right to play multi-platform games on switch or do you just play them on pc playstation 4 xbox one do you keep it no. just for the exclusive nintendo hell game? no i have all the ports under the sun on my nintendo switch i have hellblade which was surprisingly when runs amazingly on switch i have um obviously Bioshock infinite i have uh outlast 2 i have more ports on my switch i have attack on titan 2 final battle I have um, the Assassin's Creed 3, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, and Assassin's Creed Rogue. Um, me personally, um, you know, I'll do whatever it takes just to play The Witcher on the go. Yeah, um, good enough for me. But like, if you were playing it as 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 your first choice, would you like for example, oh. if you were if you were getting a new game um, on on uh, there were there was a choice between you getting it on the Switch or on a console? What would you what would you go, what would your first choice would be like? Well. For me personally, uh, I mean, I'd be going looking for power. You know, um, I mean, it really depends on how it matches up in terms of resolution onto my TV. Of course. Um, but yeah, I think I'm always going to go um, Sony first, and then treat my my Nintendo for oh, no, travel. I'm, I'm I'm the same as you there, James. I will definitely always go Sony first, unless unless I have been known to go Xbox first with the One X until my One X died. So that's One X's fault. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I always treat my Sony first, unless like I think James would be the same here, and I don't know if Ray will be the same uh, or Mike. But you know, when like you fall in love with a game that much, you bought it on every single platform, like every single platform. Like Bi- Bioshock Infinite, I own it on PC, I own it on the PS4, I own it on the Xbox One, and I own it on the Switch because it's my second favorite game of all time, and it's the only multi-platform game in that kind of you know in in that top three. All the other ones are Sony exclusives, Last of Us and um, Uncharted 4. I agree. I, yeah, I, sorry. I agree to some extent on that. Yeah, go for it, James. No, I was just, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head which game is the game I've bought the most times. And I think it's Devil May Cry from, you know, started on the PlayStation 2. Nice. Yeah. I bought the remaster on the PlayStation 3. Um, and I bought the remaster again on the PlayStation 4. Nice. So that's like... The, the the three game the three games I've bought the most time Bioshock Infinite I've bought on everything uh, Overwatch I've bought multiple times on each console owned it three times on the PlayStation Four owned it twice on the Xbox and I've owned it once on the PC. Uh, Wait, how have you bought it three times? Did you buy trade, it, sell it, buy yeah, it, yeah, sell yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, traded it because I got bored of it. Uh, and then and then uh, Grand Theft Grand Theft Grand Theft Auto Five I've owned on the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, the PC, Xbox One, PS Four. And then I've traded it in and rebought it again, traded and rebought it again. Now I finally bought it digital. And then, 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 then the week I bought it digital on PS4, Epic Games were like, "Do you know what you'd like? A free copy of Grand Theft Auto 5. And I'm like, I "Understand oh. that, James? Uh, Chris, sorry. <laughs> what? They're both white. <laughs> no, not, no, because James is new to the podcast, isn't he? Um, of course. No, Chris, why do you do that, man? Because I'm a dick. Why do you buy a game three three times, knowing that you're going to trade it in again? He had to rip it up each time before he could get the new one. Apparently. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. Rip okay. it up. Yeah, like yes. you're out. Oh yeah. God, guys, come on! No, it's not like that. <laughs> Bro, 
if you know you're gonna, if you know, like, how do you do you not know when you're trading it in that you're gonna want to play it again? No, because at the time I'm like, I need money for something, <laughs> so I'm just like, goodbye. I wanna, I wanna ask you guys. Do you guys remember a game called Kingdoms of Amnila Reckoning? I, he's, he's going into the news we've had, and I'm gonna talk about this with him. Yeah, go for it. I do remember Kingdoms of Amnila Reckoning, and it was pretty, pretty good. It's it's such an underrated game, and I'm surprised not loads of people know much about it. And the people that have played it, they know how much of a gem it is. Well, how much of a gem it was back then. But I'm so happy that. Uh, the news has come out that it's getting a re-reckoning. I love that. I, I love that. That's, that's the name that they're giving it. But it's getting a remaster, and damn, I, I hope it. Because I had so much fun playing that game. If you guys played the game as well, like, what's your memories of playing that game? If you have, that's a title I missed out on, man. So this would be a good opportunity for me to get on board and actually play it. Oh wow! Yeah. It's like yeah, it's an RPG game. You get a uh, damn. It's been so long since I remember. I barely remember what the story's about. Yeah, it's kind of like uh how would you explain it, Chris? Um it's if you know I, I'm not story wise, I, I didn't really get the story, but explaining it the wise of the game, it's like someone took a comic book on fantasy and just splattered it over a video game. Uh and then you've got Kingdoms of Amulet. Yeah, it remi- it kind of reminds me, I don't know why, of World of Warcraft, just of the way it's set out with the abilities and how you, you run around these little towns and you can go in the little houses and get all these different the the weapons, the amount of weapons that you can get and you just you're constantly changing your weapons in the game because you keep getting even better like loot and better armor and stuff. That's one of the things I remember most about the game, is just just going around picking up this massive new hammer that does like so many damage what and just platforms that are coming out. enemies. 360 MPS3 MPC. Ah, oh, so it's a, a last gen title. Uh, but if you're a fan of comic books, Todd McFarlane that does Spawn uh, is the artist for the art of the game. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, so James will appreciate that being an artist. Yes, James. Todd yeah. McF- it's Todd McFarlane that did all the artwork for the game. So it, it, it yeah. looks like a Todd McFarlane comic in motion. Um, Alex, send that question to the room then. Um, you know, at what point did you first notice art in video games? Oh, what a question! Whoa, I like it. Okay, okay, Chris, let's go. You go first. Where am I first. going first? Because you went, ooh, so it sounds like you got you already got an idea. Go on, go on. I didn't have an idea. You, how dare you? I presume I had an idea. Um, I mean, the first time I noticed art in video games was Pokemon. Oh my oh, god. No. Because, I mean, obviously everything's individually, like, sprited on the screen and it's not as much motion as everything else. So, for, for me, as a kid, that was moving artwork. Well, what was your first Pokemon in the game, really? Because you're saying colours. I don't... The first division of Pokemon games were black and white. So, just trying to figure what? out what Pokemon games... No, 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 no. no. Po- Pokemon Yellow was my first Pokemon game. But what what, oh, yes. what, what what I mean is, is that, you know, it, it was the... There was, it was, the sprites because when you went to pokemon battle you, the pokemon came up bigger on the screen and that was like artwork as a kid you're like wow you know this is this is amazing what we're seeing i know maybe it's not your conventional artwork because it's like 8-bit art but still someone yeah. did, someone did draw those pokemon so i mean that's i guess james when i first noticed artwork in video games was, was the very first time i played pokemon but I mean, I suppose mm. noticing actual artwork in a video game wasn't until I got older and like decided to like purchase a piece of video game artwork. And I mean, for me, like when I started to appreciate artwork in video games, that was Bioshock Infinite again. Um, and I really, I really yeah, I really, I really, I really looked into the concept art of that and 
just everything I could possibly get my hands on into the, the world and stuff. And just as when I really started to appreciate how much hard work and effort goes into video game artwork and really started to actively look mm. for video game artwork. Uh, like one of my favorite art of recent game in modern memory is Nier Automata. Oh my God, the artwork for that game is incredible. Um, yeah, you know, the artwork for that is fantastic. Same as God of War, same as, uh, um, same as what's it called? Same as, what's it called? Same as The Last of Us. Um, you know, there's some, hey, I say, what's this called? It's really funny, isn't it? Same as Hellblade, you know, like I just really appreciate looking at video game art now. And I think all that, like the appreciation is that come from Bioshock Infinite and kind of wanting to dive into that. Because there's a lot of people out there, I think games agree with this, who don't actually bother looking at the, the concept art and stuff. They don't be like, eh, I play the game, I'm done with it, you know? Yeah, it is very overlooked. Like, not many people really appreciate it or even go out and buy, like, the actual artwork books and stuff. They just think, oh, it's just a, a part of the game. That's, it's not really, like, that important. But it really is, like, one of the one of these more, the main thing that makes the game is, is the concept art. You can't, you can't make a game without that, you know, doing that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Rehan, what's your, what is your answer? Oh, Infinite was such a great game when I was playing that growing up. I mean, I was I was entering the mid-teens, but Infinite is prob- probably the first game in terms of, like, when you just see it in gra- from a graphics point of view to an art point of view to a sound point of view, that game was just so different to what we played back in last gen because games were quite very linear in terms of just what, what games were bringing out, other than Dead Space, because that was a revolutionary title. That's my game, Art Direction. But I just wanted to sort of touch on um how brightly colored infinite was yeah in in terms of its political uh you know what it was trying to showcase politically and then all of a sudden it turned dark when it you know the the, the comparison between the rich and, and and the poor and the art direction completely changed from the beginning of the game to halfway through the game all the way to the end of the game because of your journey with booker and and um oh, who's the girl elizabeth Elizabeth, yeah, because I was going to say Anna, but that's that's her name. Oh, spoilers! Shouldn't say that. Jesus Christ! Shouldn't say People that. People are just sorry. playing this for the first time on Switch, and they're all like, <laughs> "What has this man done? He is now a cyber terrorist, spoiling a game for me." I don't, I don't really know what my the one of the first games I really uh, recognized the art in. I would, I would agree with Chris saying that Pokemon is probably one of the first things I re- recognized it, but. Um, Damn, I always go back to Diablo when when it comes to like really like because I played that game so much and just knowing all of the enemies and the sprites and 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 all of the colors that were used like Diablo is when I was like oh wow this it obviously doesn't look as good now if you were to go back into it but it still look to me like even looking at the concept art for that game and like I bought the the book for Diablo three like the concept art for Diablo three and looking at all of that art and stuff and like just thinking wow this this is not no i i agree fully i think blizzard has this sort of this this uh different level of of bringing an art piece to life and i'm not just saying one but i'm saying thousands of different art pieces because obviously when when lord of the rings was 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 releasing the trilogy you had blizzard obviously releasing world of warcraft and obviously that game with its expansive story, its characters, its artwork, uh-huh. its its maps and everything, it, it I, I believe that that those type of games is what kids, yeah. a lot of people, have grown up to enjoy video games. They really Blizzard really showcase their artwork. Like they they're not shy to like post their, all of their artwork for every single game. 
where it's like to yeah world of warcraft overwatch um stuff like that like they they love showing all of the concept art and all of the um little little nice wallpapers that you can go and look up and see what all the all the artists have you know, put all the characters together. Like with Heroes of the Storm as well, for example, like mashing all of these characters all together into one individual game and giving them a different look that what they originally would normally look like from their like like Overwatch, their original games and combining them to give them a whole new kind of like look is is super interesting as well. So I love that. Mm. I find um <clears throat> just just another game that like was at a very influential point in my life. Um Shadow of the Colossus, and it was my... I, I never played um, the first Team Ico entry, but until later, uh, but Shadow of the Colossus was just this art, this, this game that had such this, like, subtle art style. Like, um, you know, it kind of... It felt like it had, anim, like, anime roots, but also, like, uh, just just something about that, the atmosphere that game conjured up, and a lot of it was the design of the Colossus, which was, like part character concept, part level design, which, you know, as a, I, I can imagine as a concept artist would have been a real challenge um, to create that creature, but also at the same time had to be able to be engaged players as a, as a workable level, um, as a boss battle. Uh, I don't know if any, I'm, I'm hope you guys have played Shadow of the Classes? Um, I've, not. I've got a really, really controversial opinion of that game. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I to yeah. I didn't like it. I really didn't. I I I appreciated the remaster and the art style of that, right? Because that's 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 where I went into it. But I just couldn't. It sounds so bad. And people are going to hate me saying this, but I couldn't get past. The, I know it's part of the gameplay, and it's an important part of it. I couldn't get past the whole holding down a button to grab on and climb. It really pissed me yeah, off. It yeah, it was tricky. Yeah. Do you know what I hate in video games? You hate video games. Yeah. You know what I hate in video oh, games? You, oh, you uh, said you hated video games. I was like, what? This is took an interesting turn. If you're in here and slag off Shadow of the Colossus, I hate video games. <laughs> uh, no, I the thing I hate, like just thinking about artwork, um, cell shading. Can't stand no! it. No! Like, <laughs> Jet Set Radio <laughs> was perfect, but every game since then, every time I see cell shading, I'm like, ah, what about, this game what about The Walking Dead? The Walking Dead was amazing. Yeah, actually, that's. A, I mean, the things about Walking Dead, and I'm, I, I'm glad you, you brought up them. Um, it's because like they were sort of making you, they were, they were emulating the the comic yes, book they format. Were, James, yes, they were. Yes, they absolutely were. Um, there were and games, that, games that did that way before that, though. No, I know that. No, 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 no. no, no, no this is this is to do with like they're emulating the comic book. The first game to do cell shading properly was 13. Everyone remember 13? Yeah, 13 yeah. was amazing, man. I played that game way too much. <laughs> They're, they're bringing it out this year, aren't they? New 13 remastered, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I can't wait for that, man. i got a funny story about 13. Go on, then. When my, I got really far into the game, and I got towards the end, and then my brother decided to delete my save, and I, I can never get that on my memory. I hate him to this day still for doing that. It's not really a funny story, to... though, is it? Like, have, have, just... have you guys got your micro violins out ready for Mike? I've got my micro violin out. Yeah, man, get, just get side and chat, F in chat for, for my save back in the day on my PlayStation 2. James, in, in, with, with video games now, the art direction, the graphics, or designing a game is quite substantially different to, to what obviously games were back then. Yeah, for example, PlayStation 1 to PlayStation 2 to PlayStation 3 to 4. Now that we're moving over to 5, what, 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 as, as an artist yourself, what is your perspective on how art is going to be different in games in the next 
seven by the time we get to 2027 for example i think um off the top of my head i think a big change around is going to be um well a lot of it's going to be from indie titles obviously and i think uh, i'm referencing for example dreams yeah is a great example um you know i'm thinking you're going to be seeing a lot of artwork from um people who couldn't necessarily get into the games industry because it's uh well it's a big market it's a very saturated one um and a, a game like dreams which allows people to um express their creativity um in a video game is and it's gonna it's gonna so hopefully surge and now that the um the vr patch for um for dreams has like gone out to beta users one of one of which is uh my friend he he got the chance to do it uh he's sculpting um in vr and i, I think it's just gonna be good to see um a lot more interaction, uh, shared um, collaboration between um, creative people uh, who are able to sort of have their influence in the video games industry. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something I'm looking forward to. Um, and that's like, obviously, um, I saw someone recreate the, you know, the Unreal... Uh, yeah. Unreal Five? Are we on Unreal Five? The whole, the whole tech demo on the dreams, yeah, yeah. yeah I saw some recently that on dreams. That that was, you know, and and they turned that around within a couple of days, a few days. Few days, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a quick turnaround, and that's a prospective, you know, candidate for video game art, right? That people um, will, you know, you'll see a lot of developers looking towards games like Dreams and and um, looking for people to hire. Oh, that's my, you know, that, that'd be a good ambition anyway. So you, so you're, so basically what you're saying is a lot of, a lot of people who haven't had the access to art equipment will have more accessibility to creating the game through software. Um, for now, building up to, to, to a certain point in the mid, mid 2020s. And then I guess for any artists who are going to be creating their own indie games, it'll be much easier to sort of just draw that into, into games rather than, creating polygons and, and stuff so for i don't know would ori and the blind forest be a good example or yeah i mean i'm, I'm just thinking in terms of it, it's going to be the, the difference between the next generation and the last is like the, the amount of like um community in games has like has grown because obviously everything's getting more advanced yeah uh, everything's becoming more social um and just it'll just be good because people who wouldn't necessarily ever have found a career in games are going to you know will now potentially have that outlet and a chance to get uh, noticed. Um, I mean, I've been um, helping some people on a, on a few projects, and one of them uh, is a video game. Um, and the animation we're looking at, we, we're trying to really capture that. Um, legitimate legitimate favour, sorry to interrupt. Uh, if you ever want a voice actor on your video games free of charge, literally just hit me up. I'm after experience in video game uh, voice acting. I've got a proper mic now and everything, so just let me know. Yeah. I mean, do you do anything other than other than Joker? I, mean, I can do loads. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm a trained actor, so whatever you want, I can do. Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you heard my rendition of that earlier, and I wouldn't I wouldn't cast me as Celine Dion. <laughs> well, I mean, there's always gonna be an opportunity. Um, Here we go. I'll I'll give you this. I'll give you a, a general fantasy conversation between an orc and an orc and a human. All right, you know, we said like what right, 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 right. 
This is Carson. What are you doing, you human shes? Look at you. We skin your bones as we grind it into dust. And then we make you all feel like you're supposed to be staring at the sky when our orc chieftains rain down holy hellfire onto you. Listen here, no orc. I'll cut you. From limb to limb, I'll shred your bones yourself. I'll rip off your head and throw it at your children and show you that I will not let you walk over my lands. Us riders of Rohan will not stand by as you try and take away our families. Oh, you think you've got us, do you, human says? Well, you think you're always going to win. Well, wait until all of us orcs crush you all in your bones. <laughs> yes. Um, here's a question. Why are most orcs from Yorkshire? <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice that that's how orcs talk in every video game ever? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Lord of the Rings didn't help, did it? But I mean, um, did not help. Yeah. I felt, you know, I felt attacked when I watched Lord of the Rings, and I realised that they pretty much, you know, they fall into extremely northern, <laughs> and then you'll find them the odd or ghoul that's like a little bit of a cockney. Isn't that like every every fantasy? It's every fantasy uh, orc on the planet. Fantasy film. Yeah. Isn't that is is, is Yorkshire? A, I mean, we could call it Yorkshire. Oh. <laughs> is it a scary accent? Do you think? I mean, everyone in Yorkshire is proper backwards. So yeah, no, I'm joking, <laughs> by the way. I have friends who live in Yorkshire. I love them dearly. Um, but yeah. I, mean, I, live, I live in Yorkshire. So I mean, you're not a friend, so yeah. you didn't count. Uh, double helpful. Yeah, so. I'm joking, James. I love you, really. I, it's okay. My feet have gone up, by the way. Just, just kind of <laughs> So, James, do you think art will become obsolete in, in, in bigger games because bigger games can then start using... Um, CGI in in a movie aspect and mocap and even just like a whole VR stage where they can just have an actor in that bubble and then have everything mapped out around them like a green screen and and do you think games will sort of go into that specific wow. development? I mean, or do you think I art know- will be sorry? Do you think art will still be a key factor in games ten years plus time? I I think first of all I know the tech you're talking about. I remember seeing like a Star Wars tech demo where they had live actors and it was just automatically mapped to stormtroopers and droids. And um, I remember seeing that and thinking, wow, you know, I mean, if anything, CGI industry is going to get hit hard. But I I do believe there will always be a firm uh, need for artwork because <laughs> you need someone to tell you how it's going to look. Like yeah. uh, when you're designing a character or a creature, like it's hard to design a, a strong male protagonist, for example, it's, it's hard to design one that stands out from the, the crowd now. Like there was a, there was a surge of protagonists around when Uncharted first came out and all the protagonists had this sort of the exact same look. It was just this. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. A prototype. Uh, we're looking at that kind of like white male with like brown kind of hair, looking a bit muscular, kind of, kind of like the same clothing. Like it was all kind of like there was, around that culture. Yeah, there were so many. And I, I think, like, you always need an artist's opinion to sort of be there to say, look, this is, like, you know, the, the overall concept um, of a character. This, they're, they're the people who sort of root out the core essence of a character. And, you know, while, yeah, you can map um, so much CGI to someone, there's always going to need to have that human factor to sort of, until they create an AI that's fully capable of, like, original thought. Um 
that you're always going to need that that sort of very, very human traditional um part of the of artwork I, I i do believe the one thing in artwork that is changing is the format um for example you know artwork is pretty much digital now like yeah. if you can't use um a tablet or photoshop now you, you're gonna fall behind well i do know that they have like this a lot of the big studios still still have like a key artist who will use you know me, traditional media um because of the nature of the games industry now it's, it's a, such a quick turnaround and you, you just the flexibility that um photoshop illustrator procreate the, the pure flexibility that awards people when drawing like a something as simple as as, as clothing on um, a character design you know you can draw that person once for copy you know copy print three times and then you've got three characters to draw three people on. that didn't exist in games back in like um when in the sort of more juvenile it was all traditional but then what you found back then was like characters were a lot more simple because they had to um you would do designing characters that had to be replicated on like 32-bit consoles where everything was you know like very simple it's like why a lot of the mascots back in the mega drive era were brightly colored because they had to be identifiable and have like a unique silhouette with not too much detail so if anything um the one thing that might change is now with the the ever increasing possibility of rendering more and more detail into characters is you're going to find characters with a lot more just detail and um like as we're seeing now at the, the back end of this generation you know we're seeing characters like i am um, I, I was playing around on god of war the other day and um looking at that photo mode i didn't realize that you can just get in there and you can just look at the pause on kratos and i was like that is a fully rendered highly detailed character that is like hours of work and it's just there and you never really notice because you're just staring at the back of him for 30 hours but yeah it's it's amazing and sorry there's a hell of an answer but um i just think uh yeah like we will see artists will always be relevant to the field um I'm going to what is a great answer yeah. <laughs> thank you but what is going to be interesting to see is how we will take protagonists forward to not only make them stand out from the previous raid of raid uh, previous set of protagonists but also how the technology is going to help push them forward as we sort of strive towards like new styles and new realism things like that yeah i hope at some point in the future like for example like i've been playing a lot of valorant recently and with the like the trailers that come out obviously the trailers always look better than the game but yeah. hopefully i feel at some point the trailer will look will replicate what the actual characters look like in the game because mm. like i was like i watched the trailer of valorant and there, there was a showcasing of two of the characters and they look they look dissimilar, but there's so much different about them at the same time in terms of like their facial features and stuff. And then when you go into the game and you look at them in in what they look like in the game, they don't look exactly the same where they, their face is a bit more bland. There's not as much um, texture to their face and with, with their facial expressions and stuff like that. So I, I feel like I, I hope at some point we will get trailers that will look like they do in the game, you know, and they say like, oh, this is actual in-game footage. I hope we get that, like, yeah. actual in-game footage and the characters look like what they look like in... Because then it, it just oversells the game. It's just like, oh, you're going to be playing this character and then you actually get into the game and it looks nothing like what it, what it is. I, I, I completely agree. The amount of times that you see... Um, like, I think Watchdog was a very prime example of, look at this amazing um, 
video game trailer and then we got the game years later and it was like this is a bit of a shambles in comparison mm. to what it was i I, um, I think that's purely down to uh referencing to my point last week and i just want to go into a little bit of detail like this um when trailers are first revealed obviously the the devs are, are in a pre-production state they've they've obviously made something they've they've made a code they've made the world they've made everything they've added a little bit to it and so they've detailed it to a point where it could be published if they wish to. What I mean by that is because the game looks so good and it doesn't have, say it's a two-hour tech demo, it has two hours of content in, in the game, right? It, it, obviously, Watch Dogs, at the end of it, had a, I don't know, 30-hour content cycle in the game. And then obviously they had more missions, more AI, more characters, more stuff like that to 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 add in more data, for example. So with games like that, I'm I'm, I'm including Final Fantasy 15 in this mix as well. Though the story was completed, the script was done, right? It wasn't a finished, polished game. So going back to Watch Dogs, when the trailer came out in 2012 and we saw this very detailed rendered gameplay, that it, it, it could have if they released it in that time we could have possibly be looking at one of the best tech demos of all time but as the game's development cycle went on the more data the team was using the less space that they had they had to condense that so they had to change the pixel of of certain certain things whether that mm. that's that's the water texture and in, in the rains hitting the hitting the roads or could that be because there were so many civilians and pedestrians in the game they had to tone down the aspect of that mm. one problem could be budget constraints the more years you have on a game the less budget you get each year because one your pre-orders will sort of die down because people would ask the question is this still coming out is this still relevant i've just got a new trailer for gta 5 do i put my money towards that instead of watchdogs all these different questions uh so budget constraints and stuff like that so by the time the game comes out if it's in a long development cycle, it is going to hurt because of it. Yeah, mm. I agree. I agree. Um, I just had a, oh, there was another f- question I was going to, I'll start over a quick story. Um, I was going to ask you guys, what is your, you know, who's your favorite video game character since we've been discussing a lot about video oh, game characters. Oh my God, this is hard. While you guys think of your answers, I mean, it doesn't have to be your all time favorite, but while you're thinking, um, I always remember this story. Like, I think this was a, a magazine I must have picked up when I was about 11. And it had like uh, top ten video game characters and how they were conceived. And it had like Lara Croft, um, Sonic. But I just remember this one story for um, a character, and I probably you can you probably guess who it is. But um, literally back in like 1979, um, there was a group of game developers, and they were coming up with a mascot for the next video game, and they they couldn't think of anything. Um, but anyway, they, they all sort of hung out at a house one night, and they had a pizza party. And literally, they sat around the table. They take a, a slice of pizza away, and while they're discussing this character, one of them looks back on the table and looks at this um, pizza with one slice removed. And they just sat there and they're like, oh, "Pac-Man, that's Pac-Man, Pac-Man. That's Pac-Man, baby. That's how they made Pac-Man." And it fits the uh, the guidelines of you know, like bright colors, simple shape, uh, an iconic shape. Now you know you can draw that circle in you know like a second, and people. Yeah. Pac-Man, and that's how you make a very successful uh, video game character. This is, see, normally I'd say Ezio, but I think I've got that would that would have been younger me who played Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and two back now. Now, there's so many choices. I have to think about it a bit longer. 
gonna say it's probably like Mario or like I don't know Pikachu. It's gonna start. It's very, it's very basic, but because they were so engraved in my, in my brain of like the amount of times I played Pokemon and and all the Mario games from my childhood, like it's probably those. Like, and I've worked, I've worked so much with Nintendo as well. Just like being Mario is such a significant character to the, to the games industry and, and just games in general. That, um, yeah. Um, what's yours? What's yours, Kristen Ray? Growing up and being a rebellion i guess was 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 a good thing because uh, you say character but i'm going to say characters even though singular they are their own video game um and because you know following following law and order was obviously something that you do right and it's you still do now blair but like in terms of just like becoming this different kind of person than you are compared to the to to your general circle because how how they how they acted in the game and how they were towards the the npcs and the world that was revolving around them they had three sequels on the playstation 2 they had three sequels again on the playstation 3 and they had a reboot on the PlayStation 4. And that's how amazing these two characters are. And they are Ratchet and Clank. They are the most rebellious characters that I know. They are funny. They they have this massive sense of personality. They 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 t- they basically show you you don't have to constrain yourself to anything. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. Ratchet went from this, you know, this this little guy to one a, a hero of of the planet accidentally obviously through the first game but he had he didn't he didn't have to go and save the world multiple times but he he wanted to because he obviously wanted to change the you know the, the whole world the galaxy the universe and he wanted to rebel against the system and he wanted to obviously keep his community safe and 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 friends safe and just live a peaceful life just kicking back and just watching his shows and stuff and yeah, for me, Ratchet and Clank will be forever iconic to me. I will love them forever, and I will always remember how cool the first three games of the PlayStation Two were. They do have quite an iconic. Um, it's a really good character concept as well, uh, Ratchet. It's a hard um, pitch to create, like a raccoon. Anthropomorphized... Yeah, like what is he? A raccoon. He... I think he's a rac- raccoon. He was a fox, kind of like something oh, like that. Yeah. yeah. What is his actual species? It's like a lombar or something. Lombax. Lombax. A lombax. Wait, a lombax is real then? Because I don't pay attention to the animal kingdom as much. But uh, I don't think so. No, I think they're fictitious. Yeah, actually. Wait, hold on. Lombax. So lombax. So if it's fictional, then we would base that acting closely between a raccoon and a, and a fox, a hybrid. Then I saw very feline elements in in the Ooh. lombax. Um, yeah, like somewhere between a phoenix fox and a cat is what I saw. Um, a large but I read, <laughs> it was great to buy that because um, I missed out on that game the first time around. But buying the remaster, um, that art style was, was just unbelievable, something. wasn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful and such a fun little platform. Well. in it as well. What, what more do you want? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, wait, the film or? Well, no, because they use all the cut scenes from the. They use all the scenes from the, yeah. the, the, the film for the game. Yeah. See, if you if you asked me this years ago, I would have had say Ezio, but now being the biggest fan I am, it has to be Joel, man from The Last of Us. That is, is he's a very subtle character. What do you like about Joel? I like the fact that he's been on both sides. So mm-hmm. Joel isn't particularly good or bad. 
He's he just does what is right in the moment. He doesn't do what is right. Like at first, he's not he's doing what's right for him. He doesn't actually do what's right for Ellie at first. He does what's right for him. And then obviously yeah. as the relationship develops between Joel and Ellie, by the end of the game, he's doing what's right for them both. But Joel is very or, oh no, actually no. By the end of the game, he's doing what's right for him again. Because I mean, spoilers, the last was part one. I mean, we've all played it. And if you haven't played it by now, it's your own fault. You know, he, him saving Ellie's life is a very selfish decision. You know, he 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 murdered a lot of people to save Ellie's life, and is that the right or wrong decision? I don't know. Uh, for him, it was the right decision because that was his surrogate daughter, and that's how he felt. But if, uh, is it is it the right decision that he's just endangered the entire, uh, basically taken away a cure from the entire of mankind? But Joel is the most, apart from Booker DeWitt, Joel is the most complex video game character I've ever come across, and really made me think. I love the fact how he was written instead of being on both sides of and just mm. how we first find him in his story and he, he just he really grows with you as the game goes on and you really start to care about both him and Ellie's story more and more. Um, mm. Yeah, for me, it's yeah. got to be Joel. What I like about Joel's design is they managed to, through the imagery alone, they managed to tell the story of a man who is weathered. Oh, God, yeah, apparent. 100%. Proper weathered. You look at the man, he, he has the beard. Because he's not looking after himself, because he's still living in that sort of abyss from after the, the events of the prologue. Yeah. But it's like the little things, like uh, the hairs cropped out of his eyes, so you know, because his job is that of like importance where his life's on the line. So, um, you know, he doesn't look after himself as much, but he still makes sure that he can see. And it's like yeah. those little, um, those little nuances in character design can tell a lot. Um, and Naughty Dog have always been like they created uh, Crash Bandicoot, who is like. You know, it was PlayStation One's like mascot. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, that's like what I always like about um, Crash Bandicoot is if you look at a Bandicoot, they they do not look the same. But Naughty Dog have always been really good at creating like a strong character. Yeah, because he, um, he was so expressive, Crash Bandicoot, and he was a silent character, but he was so expressive every time he was on. Yeah, I mean, they made their own version of like a sort of a, a platform duo, didn't they? Um, Jack, Jack and Daxter? Jack and Daxter, yeah. That was Naughty Dog, right? Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, then, I mean, I was never a massive fan of the Jack and Daxter um, franchise. I was, I, I just, it's just something I never got into, but um, so I can't judge too much on, on their, like, visuals. But from Naughty Dog, when they hit the PlayStation 3 era, we got um, Uncharted's Nathan Drake and, Sully, and then we're moving on to Last of Us, and we've got their character design. It's, I mean, what I'm, what I'm really looking forward to with Last of Us too is just that we're going to see the best visuals in a video game. Yep. Like, yep, they're all pushing the boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> see that we're going to see that fidelity in like. What's your two opinion weeks? on on like uh, indie games and indie devs with with the way that artwork is going with uh, what's like. Because obviously, like most indie games at the moment, they're all going down the eight uh, bit or like um, retro kind of vibe look for games. Um, do you think that's a good thing for for indie to keep trying to pump out that type of content? That's all we're looking that 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 kind of like art. Style? Just wanted to butt in and say that publishers need to start supporting more indies. Um, I'm not talking Sony in specifics. I'm not. I'm not talking 2013 Sony picking up indie games. Uh, I'm talking more publishers like Ubisoft need to start trusting all these indie developers a lot more if they want to start sort of getting a PR around these these indie games because 
well, take Sony for example. They had they they really pushed Thomas was alone when it when they made it become a free PlayStation Plus game, uh, and people yeah. were downloading it for free. And it was, that, that was the first indie game I think that got a, got, got a PlayStation Plus treatment. Um, for example, Ubisoft um, were pushing Child of Light. Uh, they were pushing Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, um, that eight bit game. Um, South Park could be a little bit bigger, but I would still class that nearly as an indie game. I don't know, maybe maybe AAA, borderline. But yeah, I think publishers need to start supporting and putting more money into the indie side. Square Enix has a great thing called Collective, but they don't push it in terms of like consumer. They don't they don't push it on their social pages or market enough in in like newsletters or, or advertisements. They just say we have an indie section. You can go check it out, but you know we're not we're not doing anything much with it. I think I think we just need to start. We just need to support indie guys. That's all. Yeah, and the ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there's uh, there's incredible gems out there in, in, in the indie indie dev uh, industry. Like one of the games that really, really, really stood out for me when I played it was um, Gris. And I know that's not like uh, I know that's not like super indie, but still, it's like that game needs way more recognition for the art style, uh, the mechanics, how the games just how beautiful the game looked, the sound, the music, everything. Like, those kind of games, they get overlooked. And, um, and yeah, just that game, Gris, was absolutely incredible. Um, I, I think it's really refreshing with indie games, sort of taking that. Uh, it, for me, it's nostalgic because I sort of grew up with... Um, I mean, one of, one of my favourite designed uh, characters is Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, I grew up playing those games and Sonic was such a huge mascot. Um, and like part of that, the, the the Mega Drive era where the graphics were all like that, something feels very reassuring when I pick up a game. One of my favorite games on the PlayStation 4 uh, is called Towerfall. And it's, a, it's just a belter of a game. I mean, the graphics are just... I don't know if I would maybe put them at maybe eight to sixteen bit. I'd have to double check, but it's um, you know, it's like got that local couch, uh, multiplayer, you know, co-op or versus. <clears throat> and I don't know if any of you guys have played it, but the aim of the game is you've got a bow and arrow, and you just go be the last one standing, and it's so addictive. And that was a PlayStation Plus game, um, and it's. I remember at one point I sat on my PlayStation. I'm like. Of all the games I own, this is the one I've sank the most hours into. This is the one that me and my friends love the most because sometimes it's you can overlook, you know, a game's graphic fidelity or imagery in terms of like how advanced it is because sometimes nostalgia of like that style is enough. And more importantly, of course, you know, the the experience of playing with friends on a sofa because pretty much no game offers that nowadays. Well, was sacrificed, man. Like that game was a phenomenal indie title because even though because Ninja Theory self published that they self funded it and self published it, um. So from and the artwork on that game is incredible, like the concept art and stuff. I'm very saddened that Microsoft went and purchased Ninja Theory. I mean, I'm happy for Ninja Theory, but I was supporting an indie British developer, and now Microsoft owned them, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. I mean, I was fully on the Hellblade trail. I, I, I've never pre-ordered a game before on the PlayStation Store, but I pre-ordered that the day it went live. I was like, yep, have my money. I don't care. I'm so excited for this game. Um, That's good, because that is a really good example of an indie game that has a AAA appearance. Yeah, completely. And it, 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 Have you guys played Hellblade, by the way? I have. How did, how did you find Hellblade, James? you enjoy it? 
Um, I mean, it was a it was a hell when you play it with the headphones and you get that, that experience in your head. That's something. I did, uh, I did something one better um, because what happened was is that they um, so Turtle Beach, which is what I'm using now actually to talk to you guys with. I'm obviously not using the microphone; I'm just the headset. Turtle Beach released the first ever 3D audio headphones. Um, which is the Turtle Beach 350 VR, which I happen to have. Where they went, some reason got discontinued. I think because well, the reason they think it got discontinued is because uh, it was costing them. They were losing out. They were selling them at a loss because it cost them more to make. These are the first ever time you've had that actual 3D audio in headphones because they were made for VR. And Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice was the first game outside of um, I think like Uncharted 4 dabbled, but Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice was the first game to proper like use 3D audio. So I tell you now, James, playing Hellblade with these headphones where they, you put the 3D audio mode on in the audio settings, holy shit. It was... I can that, it's a game, that game was so... so like it, it really relied on its sound design, which is like great because obviously we've been talking about like games from an, a sort of visual standpoint. But there's a lot of creativity that goes into the audio side of a, of a video I agree, game. Mate, like and like sound design is crucial in a video game. And I think um, Hellblade was one of the sort of games that sort of made me realize just how much um, atmosphere can be created with um, with with sound. Um, and obviously, I absolutely adore that game. And there was some amazing level design, the creature design. There's um there was like. I won't ever say the spoiler just in case, but there was a there was a boss battle in in that way. You could only spend so much time in a certain place because oh, your mate, fear wasn't was... that terrifying. Holy yeah. fuck! I was now, I think it was so the... intense. Mm. <laughs> I've always been in the firm belief that once in a horror game, once you see the creature, it stops being scary. Um, that was one of the best examples I can think of. Of once you see it, the whole thing gets scarier mm-hmm. because of how it. Split. Oh my god! And the, the, the crazy thing about is, is about, um, obviously Ray, Ray and Mike haven't played Hellblade. Is that, and I think my, um, James will agree with this. Is that there's no HUD. Everything is told via the voices in your head. So if you're fighting, you're like it's behind you, it's behind you, it's behind you. what? And you turn around. There's like a guy with a massive sword trying to hit you. Like there's no indicator of where things are going. There's no HUD. It's not telling you how much life you got left. There's no telling you where to go. The voices be like. It very much like try and contradict each other. You've got two main voices in your head. It is mad, man. It's it's an experience that has to be played by everybody. The amount of times I got psyched out by that voice saying behind you, and I'm like, what? And look, there's nothing. Oh, there. mate, do you know what? But, but then, but then I had a really cool time with that. Like, as in, like a memory of that where I was literally fighting, and I was down to like my last health. My screen was red, and I was like, I'm gonna die. It was when I was in Helheim, so everything's burning around me and everything. And I'm like fighting all these things which coming constantly at me, and it just went, it's behind you, duck. And I literally turned around and like used my sword and parried this one final hit, and just went mad. It was mental. It was so good. Um, uh, I had to run that game on Switch just because I wanted to see how the Switch port would hold up and apart from being slightly blurry it looked stunning on the Switch um, and I'm really excited for Hellbird Senua's Sacrifice too like they've got this new band like talking about sound they've got this band um, called Heilung doing the soundtrack for um, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice too um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it plays out I'm actually only buying an Xbox Series X at the moment for Hellblade 2 so, I mean, that's how excited I am for it. Um, but yeah, audio-wise, I've never played a game with that. With, it relies on audio that much. And just I just I, I, I applaud you, Mike, and you, Ray, to play it. And I think James will feel, James feel the same way. It's one of the most inspiring games ever to come out. Uh, and it's on my top 10 list. 
Wow, yeah. that's a heck of a game. Um, just while we've got a second to discuss uh, sound design and the creativity of sound design, I just, while we are discussing Hellbird, I, I remember the time on my PlayStation 3. Do you remember on the PlayStation 3 we had, um, like, you had a game and if you, that game was sort of like what you had passive on your menu, it sometimes played like the sort of like iconic music from the yeah, level one. Man. One time, so this is like a really weird experience, but like one time I was playing, it was Siren, uh, Blood Cash. Oh, no. Shit, no. Right, right, and um, playing it at my house. Um, it's a it's a scary game, you know. It's like I've been playing it, and it got in my head, and I was like, "Nah, this game's too scary." And I was playing it one night, and I, I sort of like, I ended up turning it off. Ended up like, must have watched a DVD, must have done something. Anyway, what happened was um, my my TV at the time when it was like when it had been on for so long, like if you fall asleep, it used to like go very dim, like to the point of blackness, but the sound would still play perfectly. And what I must have done is I must have fell asleep, and in my in my sleep I must have hit the pad, and it must have just perfectly highlighted Siren Bloodcast. Oh fuck! So I've I've got a similar experience to you, where so because I because I pre-ordered Hellblade on the uh, on the old um, PlayStation Store because it was, it was originally PlayStation exclusive. I don't know if you guys remember, which is kind of crazy now that they're an Xbox company. But anyway. Um, yeah, I pre-ordered Hellblade on the uh, on the PlayStation Store, and uh, you got you got you got Hellblade theme for it for your PlayStation. Yeah, oh my God. I got that. you've got that. How scary is yeah. that fucking theme? I need to go. Well, I have to re-download it. I mean, it's, it just, it's just the voices. Voices are just talking the entire theme. I cannot have it on for longer than an hour. I'm like, nope. I'm turning that theme off and changing it to something different. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, I mean, I've had. Um, I love getting the themes on a game, but sometimes, like, I think Resident Evil was a good contender for a. Good... Yes, don't tell Aunt Rody. Don't tell. Yeah. Oh, nope. I, I have a friend that I sit next to at work, and he sings that song every day. I mean, how many years has it been since Resident Evil Seven came out, and he still sings I've that song? I told you about my Resident Evil Seven experience, which is probably the best marketing experience I've ever experienced. I'm happy to hear it. So, um, Resident Evil in London, in London, basically, um, they took over for Resident Evil 7, the launch week it came out, uh, an abandoned house in the centre of London. Um, and what they did, you can actually look at all this on YouTube, they transferred, formed it into the Baker Mansion. And um, they would, for, for two, 200 people, in the whole entire, so 200 people for the whole week would get to experience it. So I was sitting at home, found out this was happening, it was free of charge, first come, first serve, I went, I'm not in work tomorrow. I can get a mega bus to London and go queue up outside. See if one of my mates wants to who lives in London wants to meet me. So me and my mate Elise, we decided to go to this uh, experience. We're queuing outside from something stupid like four o'clock in the morning, and we're like th- the third people in. So when you get you first of all get taken into this room and they talk to you, they're kind of like, do you remember like um you remember in, in the in the in the beginning of the game, Clancy goes missing and stuff. Um, so they're talking to you about Clancy's in the house somewhere, and that you're going you, you you you're a new form of um. You're, you're not your um what's it called i'm a journalist that's the one uh but they also ask you like obviously your name and a, your name and stuff like important details your date of birth just in character doing this like an american accent like you properly like in the experience then they lead you into the house they push you through the front door and they slam the door right this is the best experience i've ever had at a marketing event i couldn't believe it so you end up walking into a one-to-one like replica of the baker kitchen 
So you're in this, you're in, you're in, you're in this, you're in this, in this kitchen, and uh, the the phone rings. You know, like in in the game, the the phone the phone rings. You, you pick up the phone, and the person on the end of the phone is goes goes Chris and Elise, they're coming, run. <laughs> <laughs> we're then look, we then go to the front door and we know it's just locked so we're searching around this kitchen trying to find the key like where's the key baker family coming what are we gonna do so we're literally just opening drawers cupboards i open this 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 uh this this like uh, the microwave and they've had they put a fucking explosive in it haven't they like a safe explosive opening goes bang and there's like a flipping dead crow's head inside of it and i'm like jesus where's this key so anyway, we, we, we end up finding the key under the sink so we open the door and the next room we're led into is a mortisserie now, this is how in-depth this whole thing was, where we were in this mortisserie, we're looking around, we're like, you know, like with the whole mortisserie cabinets. Looking around, we're like, oh my God, I, I just go cold. Elise looks at me and kind of gulps. On the mortisserie cabinets, one, there's two there. On one, one of them and the other one, on one of them it said, Chris Josty, my date of birth, date of death today, <laughs> like that day. I was like, I am never going to see this ever. I mean, the level of detail in this is insane. So I obviously saw that and she saw that as well. And we looked at each other and went, because her name was on the other one, went, oh, here we go. So the phone rings again. It's like, right, um, this, this, the, the, the puzzle's simple. You have to crawl to your death to escape. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? So we're looking like round, because we're looking around the, the mortisserie trying to find a way. And then we realize that you can pull open the mortisserie cabinet and crawl inside. I'm too big for that. And I'm like, go on then, Elise, crawl in your mortisserie cabinet. I'm just going to stand outside and watch on guard. So she crawls inside the mortisserie cabinet, which is covered in like fake blood and stuff. You had to sign a waiver because your clothes are going to get wrecked. Uh, and uh, yeah, she comes back out with the key. So then we notice there's a little hatch in the roof. So we pull a stepladder um, to, to like where the hatch is and open the hatch up and crawl up into the hatch. And we're in the next floor because it's like a three floor house. So then we're in this we're in this like a classic Resident Evil, which everyone will know if they played a Resident Evil game, Resident Evil chess puzzle room. So we're at the chess puzzle room, the phone rings, goes like you've you've literally now got a minute to solve this puzzle before the bakers are coming for you. And we're like, well, what are we supposed to do? So we're literally like working out this puzzle. We nearly get it right. All of a sudden, we hear Lucas Baker at the door, and he's like, Hey, Chris and Elise, it's time for your dinner. And we're like, oh, Oh shit! So <laughs> we then literally we, we 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 decide to hide behind the sofa in this like in the room we're in with the chess puzzle. So Lucas, this, this actor, fair play, the actors were phenomenal. This actor as Lucas Baker comes in and he stay, he's standing in the room. He's like, "Look, I know you're hiding behind the sofa, but dinner's ready. Uh, I would very much appreciate if you put these bags over your head and follow me." So <laughs> he holds out these two cloth bags and we stand up and go, "Okay, I know this. I think to myself, I know this is acting. This is." terrifying so we put these cloth bags over our head uh we're led in obviously we don't know where we're led led through but we're led through a corridor and then we're led into a one-to-one replica of the baker family dining room you know in the beginning of the game so this literally happens at the beginning of the game we're we sit at that side of these table and they literally rip the bags off our heads at the table like they do in the game and we're sitting there and someone who looks the spitter jack baker's there marguerite baker lucas it was insane so we're there at the table. Me and Lily, me and um, what, what was what was the name? My friend, Jesus, guys, help me. You're saying Elise. Elise, there we go. Thank you. I don't know. I had a mind fart then. Yeah, so, so, so me and Lisa decided before we go in that we'd have a code word uh, that we'd mention Lily if something went wrong, just because we thought you know that might help. 
So we're in this, we're in this, this dining room, not knowing what the hell we're supposed to do. Jack Baker was really funny because the guy playing him turns to me and goes, Chris, my boy, are we, are we, are we in or outside? And I was like, we're inside. He's like, take your goddamn fucking hat off, boy. <laughs> so I took my hat off and put it on the table. Jack Baker's there just eating his food, drinking. They would sit around this table and they're like passing maggots around and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so weird. They put maggots on my plate. And like, I don't know, like Elise actually ate a maggot. She was so scared. Head. <laughs> he didn't know what to do. I didn't. I knew it was all part of the theater. Anyway, he, he turns to me and he goes, Chris, my boy, I'm uh, I'm parched. Can you get me a drink? So I then realized that um Elise um then I forgot to explain that in in the in the previous room, Elise had collected a, a vial of poison. So I turned to Elise, uh he's next to me at the table and go, Oh, but then if I go get your drink, I'll never see Lily again. And Elise understood what that meant. So in unison, she passes me the vial of poison under the table. I grab hold of it, tuck it into my pocket, walk over to the drinks for Jack. When Jack's got his back to him, this is insane. I'm honest to God, this is the most mental experience ever. Put the poison in the drink and then bring it over to Jack. And then he must have put something in the, in, in the poison that the actor can taste because he drinks his drink and he goes... And just starts choking and falls onto the floor. Lucas starts panicking. Marguerite starts panicking. And then when Jack's on the floor, we then grab hold of his key off his neck. And there's another like stair loft thing. So I've got the key. I'm running. I'm running. We, we get it. But as it's fucking terrifying. As we grab the key and we're trying to get up the loft, Jack has now got an axe. He's grabbed a fucking axe and he's running towards us. We're trying to open this loft thing at the top. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And he's literally coming towards us going, you're now going to die. <laughs> So as as we're like obviously it's all probably safe-ish. Uh, and as 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 literally we're like trying to get in this laugh, he brings the axe crashing down the wall next to us. It goes flying through the wall. Obviously, I think it must be like a fake wall or something. It was really clever. And we're like, shit. So we quickly managed to get up this loft and slam the door shut. And we're then literally we're in this room full of mannequins, which I fucking hate mannequins. And I was like, well, this is going to be fun. So um, so all of a sudden, we can hear Marguerite coming up the stairs. And we're like, well, there we go. So the phone rings again. And it's like, you have 10 seconds to hide. If she finds you, you are screwed. And I'm like, great. So we're literally running around this room full of mannequins going, how are we going to hide? I jumped in a giant washing basket like the size of a fucking sofa. And Elise like wrapped herself up in curtains. Uh, she didn't find she didn't find Elise, but she damn well found me and damn marguerite baker was terrifying when she was angry so what happened was she came over to my washing basket she knew i was there and but but what happened was is that elise noticed she was about to discover me so she then came out of her curtain ran around behind her marguerite then saw elise and started running after her i jumped out the washing basket and then got marguerite to follow me elise managed to open up the other door uh, by using the mannequin puzzle, which we had to solve while Marguerite was in the bloody room, which was insane. And then we finally got out into the next room, which was even more scary, because it was a room full of crying dolls and dolls' heads severed onto the wall. So the the, the, the clue for that was we had to work out, um, we, had to, we had to look how many were pointing left, right, and how many heads were looking down and up. And it was just, we, could, we, we, we finally got the combination. So we got the combination, we crawled through this little air duct, I can't believe the production value on this. It's phenomenal. Called this little air duct, uh, and we end up in this bedroom. 
Um, and we've and the, we were like looking around like what we should do next. We're locked in this bedroom, no one. All of a sudden, we hear a banging from the wardrobe. We open the wardrobe, and Clancy's in there, and we're like, "Oh my god, Clancy!" And he's like in a really bad way. He's like proper tied up and stuff. And he's like, "Guys, I'm gonna have to get you out of here. You know, this is really dangerous. We shouldn't be here right now." So we untie Clancy. We get him out. He's like, "So on on your journey, what have you found?" And we're like, "Well, we found some bullets." He's like, "Perfect, we found some bullets." And he's like, "Need that?" So he grabs hold of his gun. We give him the the uh, the ammunition. He puts it in the gun, cocks the gun back, and he's like, "Right now, we're ready to get out of here." So we then open the last door and get onto the landing in the house. With the landing, then obviously leads down to the front door. So we're we're out in the landing. We can hear Jack screaming like, "Oh my god, Jack's going to come after us!" But Jack didn't. But what happened was a freaking infected person jumped out of nowhere. Now, I was told afterwards what was supposed to happen to end the show, uh, end the experience, was that the gun was supposed to go off, leaving me and Elise to run outside, uh, and obviously that was the end of it. However, in this case, the gun decided not to go off. So the actor who was playing Clancy points the gun at the infected guy, it doesn't go off, he literally goes, fuck it, throws the gun, rugby tackles this guy into the wall and shouts, run! So me and Elise run downstairs, open up the door, not realizing the door we're running through leads into central London. So you've got two screaming people opening the door, running into central London, all these people looking, going, whoa! Like, as these two people, like, Elise is covered in blood. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like, the people from Capcom come over and like, no, it's fine, they're with us, with us. Are you guys okay? And I'm like, I was fucking terrifying. So yeah, that was my experience of playing Resident Evil 7 in real life. It was um, certainly interesting. If you, if you want to have a look at it, just literally type in the Resident Evil 7 London experience. It's all on YouTube. A lot of the famous YouTubers did it. It was uh, it was amazing. Wow. Fuck, man. My my personal highlight was um, Jack Baker, because I kept imagining Foghorn Leghorn in your version. <laughs> Damn, that sounds... Mate, I probably would have just broke down and started crying. Well, apparently a lot of people did. Um, and there was a massive petition to keep it in London. But Capcom said, look, it cost us too much to hire the whole thing and dress it all up. Like, we can't yeah, keep it in London. Yeah. Uh, but the people who did experience it will always remember how fucking probably the best ever haunted house experience I've done in my life. It was so good. That's true. I can see Josh Rosty completely shifted his personality when um, Lucas came out. <laughs> I, told him, I, yeah. I, I, I just told him to fuck off. i really did i actually did the cyberpunk surprisingly the cyberpunk xbox one x console has sold sold out all forty five thousand units which is shocking because 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 think about it it it's cheaper than the xbox one x at base rate you get the game with it and you get the expansion and it's an exclusive limited edition i i see that as a no-brainer for anyone who doesn't have an xbox one x that could be your starter pack 269 is think about it playstation 5 is no 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 sorry it was 269 no. it, yeah it was playstation 4 pro is still 300 and something pound the xbox series yeah. the xbox one x is powerful more powerful than the playstation 4 pro and it was selling at rrp 269 everywhere what the cyberpunk exclusive yeah does it come with the game yeah download code what the frick I should have bought that. I wish I'd I got it as well. No, 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 it was 269. I wish I'd got one. I, I swear you were like looking at it. I was. I was looking at it saying I was going to buy one, but I was against it because I thought it was like 400 quid. Wow, that could have been my chance to get on the Xbox trend. Yeah, man. Damn. Oh, you still got your PlayStation 4. Lost to be fair, so. Yeah, so have I. Have you got yours as well, Ray? Did you keep it? 
I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna decide not to get it. I think I'm gonna fix my pro. I, I'm gonna I made the decision purely because I wanna I wanna get it. I was thinking of getting a new TV, but I'm I'm gonna get a new TV with the PlayStation Five. So uh, I've been reading a, 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 a I've been doing my research, and uh, I'm I'm not I'm not a great tech person on TV, so I don't have a lot of information about the difference between an OLED and an LED and 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 a gaming monitor as a 65 inch. So I'm currently doing my, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm doing my research. And I think if I really wanted to get a really good, like 4k TV that will play well with the PlayStation five, OLED is probably where I'm going to be going, but they cost so much money and they cost like around a grand above. And, uh, I think I'm going to probably just save up until holiday when PlayStation five comes out and just get like, like a TV bundle with a PlayStation five on release day. James, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on this episode, Untold Culture Podcast. You've been our art director for so many months, designing uh, the creative vision for the aesthetics. Um, It's been an honor to have you on the show. I cannot wait for you to come on next time to talk more about how you've reacted to The Last of Us Part 2. Bringing back some memories of the art, talking about art and games and stuff. That's super cool. Been absolute pleasure, James. Thank you for coming on. Wow, wow, thanks. That's a, it's a crazy, it's a crazy honor. Thank you for having me. This has been my first ever podcast. Um, right. Well, yeah. Till next time, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Auto Coach Podcast, and make sure you check in for the next one that's coming out. Should be out next week, maybe. I don't know when Rehan does his stuff, but yeah. Whenever I can read a comic book and then don't watch the last of us part two trailer i think that's that's the pattern in lockdown now isn't i can it? send you all the spoilers <laughs> if you do if you do i will take the next available train to wales i will walk endlessly until i figure i will ask every single welsh person have you do you know chris josty can you point me in the direction where i can find a chris josty i will keep walking endlessly i will keep singing <laughs> I will walk 500 miles and I will walk 500 more until I reach you and I will break <laughs> your PlayStation. That doesn't I believe really matter, me, I will do this before the Last of Us Part 2 comes out. doesn't really matter out. though because I'm getting a new PlayStation the day the Last of Us Part 2 comes out. I so will it's... hijack your DVD <laughs> delivery courier. I will tell him to, to, I will hijack your text message and say no, deliver it to my address. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Untold Culture. Been I've been Elizabeth. I've been Mikey. I've been the last of us two spoiler, Chris Josty. No, I haven't really spoiled the last of us two for anybody unless they've asked me to send them stuff. I'm not that kind of person to put spoilers on the internet. Yeah. And I've been James. Thanks for having me again. And we'll see you guys next one. On the next one. How many, how many, how many, how many beers have you guys had so far? Two. Zero. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. Wait, we've been drinking. I'm always, he's always.